Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Game Guys podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. It's Friday, October 29th. Happy Halloween weekend, all of you. Happy open date weekend, all that. Thanks to Heritage Digital, as always, for sponsoring the first segment of our podcast here. I uh, got a few questions on the iHelp Consulting mailbag going to get to later. Uh, just going to kind of talk a little bit about some stuff. I mean, recruiting this week uh, has been going on. It seems like we haven't talked about recruiting in a long time here on the podcast. And uh, I know that's a good subject. Coaches are on the road. Head coach Shane Beamer is on the road. Um, and, uh, you know, the first question that comes up, because honestly, uh, message boards, Twitter, social media, other forms of social media, call-in shows, sports talk radio, whatever you want. It, it's the – the fellowship of the miserable right now, if you're a Gamecock fan. And uh, I, I would encourage everyone, uh, like I said previously, to c- compartmentalize a little bit. You know, there's a big, big problem right now with the offense. Um, you you got to understand there's more than just offense. And, and I, I get it. It's tough because everybody likes to see points scored. Um, I'd be lying to you if I said there weren't more – potential issues than just the offense, but that's the glaring thing right now. Um, And and I think Beamer made a bad hire at offensive coordinator. He's not the first coach that made a bad hire right out of the gate. Some coaches right out of the gate have a bad staff, you know, uh, all the way around. And, and, you know, what do you do? So, you know, everything's not falling apart you know, uh, across the board, you know, and you start talking recruiting and like, well, nobody wants to come here. Whoa. Look, man, it's an SEC football program. Uh, it's power five level. You know, it, it, it's, it's still attractive to a certain level of recruits. And if you get the right ones and hit on them, um, you know, you're going to have players. So uh, yeah. And I know everybody likes to chase stars and stuff like that, star ratings and all that good stuff. And uh, 
that's fine. That's definitely fine. Um, you know, and you get excited about the highly rated guys, and I think that's fine. And there's still some guys on the board. Antonio Williams is still on the board at receiver. Probably the top target, you know, Jay Sean Barham is still on the board at linebacker and stuff. You know, you got you got some guys, but um, you know, I I think at the end of the day, you know, recruiting this class is going to be fine. They're going to hit the portal. Um, you know, it's kind of funny that uh, Harrison Bailey, the quarterback, four star guy that uh, went to Tennessee, got beat out by two transfers this year. He's in the portal. Everybody's asking, and I'm like. You know, you guys think Tennessee's third string quarterback is the answer? I don't know. You know, I I, I think I think the Gamecocks, if they're going to hit the portal for a quarterback this year, they need to wait. Because first of all, you got to wait and see. You know what 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 direction you're going to go on offense. Um, you know, people talk about Spencer Rattler too, the, the quarterback from Oklahoma that got beat out, and well, go get him because Beamer knows him. Well, I want you to think about this. Uh, Spencer Rattler, excellent player, five-star guy out of Arizona, big year last year, got benched because he couldn't read defenses. So what's going to happen if the Gamecocks don't make a change at offensive coordinator and you have to get a – and you bring him in to run this system, if you will, uh, which is very complex and he can't read defenses, that's a disaster. That's not going to help you no matter how talented he is. Um, so I think, I think you got to wait and see. And I, I think if South Carolina is going to go get a quarterback at the portal, it needs to be a guy that can come in and strongly challenge Luke Doty, maybe Jason Brown if he comes back as a big finish for the starting job. In other words, like this guy is probably going to win it. You know, if you look at him, this guy, you know, he's probably going to win it. Uh, and of course, it depends on what kind of system uh, you bring in if you make a change. And I'll tell you why I say that. It's not. It's nothing against Luke Doty. I think Luke Doty needs some time to develop. I, I, I think he's a guy that you know. Who knows what would have happened had he been healthy this year? Uh, again, you know, I, I think the scheme's way too complicated for a young college quarterback. So it was kind of dumb, in my opinion, to even before he hurt his foot to be, you know. <laughs> yes, running this with, with him in it, um, but it is what it is. Uh, but, but you know, I, I don't, I don't think having a year where he's the backup, like the number one backup, is going to be a bad thing for him long term. Uh, and it's not that I don't think he can get there next year. Uh, I just think you give yourself sort of a a buffer season or two probably just one, if you go get a quarterback that can win the job. You know, not a guy you brought bring in for depth, not a, not a warm body, a guy that can win the job. There's names popping up, Harrison Bailey and Spencer Rattler. If you follow recruiting, we're big names. Uh, Rattler's actually in the portal yet. And I get it, <laughs> but wait and see, you know, because – Look, on the off chance, and, you know, I, I'm obviously not going to be happy about this, barring a complete 180 turnaround of the offense the last four games, then to a bowl and, and all that. Um, I'm not going to be happy with any kind of change, uh, without a change at OC, and I don't think you should be either. You know, but let's just say you do stick to the 
the pro style deal, you know, then I think, you know, Doty having experience in the system probably gives him a leg up, but you, you bring in a guy that can, could do that. So that may be a Harrison Bailey now, but look, it's definitely not a Spencer Rattler, but you've got to get a quarterback. If that's what you're going to do in the portal, I think that fits what you're going to do on offense. And there are very few, in fact, I'm going to go on the record right now. There are no quarterbacks in the portal nor on the roster that are going to be able to do what they're asking everybody to do on offense effectively next season. Next season, this season, any season. Again, you know, it's not the plays they're running, you know, the play designs. uh, You know, the play calling has been erratic, but not – well, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think it's been good. You know, some people think, well, it's not been that bad. I don't think it's bad. I don't, I don't think there's any, any, uh, any, any time when a game has been in doubt this year that you look at it and you go, you know, against a good opponent that you go, man, yeah, that was a good call. They're, they're, they're really running up and down the field uh, and then finishing a drive. I mean, you know, Tennessee, the drive they blew with the, uh, the trick plays inside the three-yard line. Um, it was a good drive, good call to drive. Things were working. Here we go. And then boom. So, you know, and I, I don't include the winning drive against Vanderbilt in that either because Vandy, um, as bad as they are, had they not sat back in a prevent defense, you know, the Gamecocks would probably would have lost that game. So, which would have been embarrassing. So, you know, getting your quarterback out of the portal, I think, is important. I would encourage you don't jump at every single player that, that has a name, you know, a.k.a. Harrison Bailey. Uh, and people are going to start reporting on it and all that because, you know, it's, it's a rec- opened recruitment, and that's a name guy. And I know some people have associated Carolina with it. And maybe they take a look. Maybe they don't. Um, I don't know, you know. I know he's third string at Tennessee, so in that system, he probably didn't fit um, what Josh Heupel wanted to do. So, in you know, you sort of hope that the Gamecocks get to a system where you know it's it's closer to that than than what it is. And so, just you know, wait, be patient. I, I think that's uh, probably the smartest thing. Um, oh, excuse me, when you're talking about what. Uh, what Carolina needs to do in terms of, you know, hitting the, the portal for a quarterback. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of portal guys. Uh, I think this year, I think, you know, Carolina's probably going to go really hard and look for some receivers. I think linebacker may be a spot. There's a, there's a lot of spots that, that I think, you know, Carolina could, could fill. Uh, I'll remind everyone that is now because, you know, everybody's – it's the team's struggling on offense. Everything gets magnified. Uh, and so everybody now is like, oh, they shouldn't have taken all these FCS and group of five guys. <laughs> well, let's look at the facts, okay? Uh, and, and I'll say this. And, and look, Michigan State is pro- probably the team that gets the most credit for working the portal. Uh, this past offseason, okay, and, and and rightfully so. I mean, Mel Tucker's done a good job. They're rocking and rolling, and, and some portal guys have actually done well. But but look, let me give you their top four, okay? It's Kenny Walker, Kavaris Crouch, uh, Jared Horst, and Chester Kimbrough. 
right? So all these guys, with the exception of Crouch, who was a five-star, and he hadn't played like a five-star. He's a really solid linebacker. Um, all these guys were three-stars or below out of high school. Walker, who has made the biggest impact probably of any portal guy, I think, in the country. You know, probably Hooker from Tennessee can factor into there. Um, maybe some others, but Walker's made a huge impact. Came from Wake Forest. Wake Forest hadn't missed him, which is weird. Uh, one of the best running backs in the country at Michigan State. Uh, three-star guy, you know, and uh, so he came from Wake. And then their other big-time transfer guy that's starting is their left tackle, Jared Horst, who came from Arkansas State, a group of five school. Uh, Chester Kimbrough did come from Florida, three-star guy. He's played well. Uh, at a defensive back position, I think he's starting at a 62-yard pick six. And then I mentioned Crouch, four-star guy, five-star guy, linebacker, 52 tackles, two sacks this year. The other nine out of the 13 they took are barely play- – they're role players. Backup special teams guys. You know, so let's look at Carolina and their thing. And, and look, Carolina does not have a player that they took out of the portal this past year that has made the type of impact that Kenny Walker has because Kenneth Walker is uh, one of the best running backs in the country. However, you know, look at these guys. I mean, Carlin Splatel, second team guy, uh, nickel. Um, David Spalding has been the starting nickel this year. So he's starting. Jordan Strong has been outstanding. Another group of five guy from Georgia State. Jason Brown's about to take over at quarterback. E.J. Jenkins, everybody's been yelling for him to play more. And then Debo Williams is a promising young linebacker uh, who should play more as well. You know, so percentage-wise, you know, and, and a lot of these guys that Carolina took last year have several years left. Um, they're not just kind of one and done. So, you know, don't knock the portal uh, either way because we don't know. You know, we don't know that the answer is – Let's go get a bunch of guys that Alabama cast aside. Michigan State has a uh, an Alabama guy that they took. Um, you know, a lot of schools do. A lot of schools take Alabama guys and they go play and they play well. Some guys don't. Um, you know, if you can get one, great. But uh, I just think that, uh, you know, when you look at it, it doesn't – again, it doesn't really matter where they come from. You know, same thing, same thing with coaches. I don't know. You know, I don't necessarily think that, uh, you know, the next offensive coordinator uh, needs to come from another Power 5 school. If it does, great. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens uh, with that. It's what you do more so than where you come from. People get caught up in that because, you know, it's hard to project football players and football coaches and things like that. And you want the comfort of knowing, hey, look, this guy did this at X school and was behind this guy, you know, whatever. So, so that's that's my take there with the portal. Just chill, you know, with the quarterbacks. You know, don't sit there and get all stargazy about Harrison Bailey and Spencer Rattler. Now, look, I, I'm not saying Carolina would not get involved with those guys um, at all. I'm, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying, you know, number one, when you're talking about this offense they're running this year, if they elect to stick with it, I, I don't know that there's a quarterback out there that can really come in and solve it without like just a a ton of innate special ability between the ears, like a super smart guy, you know, Joe Burrow type guy, maybe. Um, and he would have to be at the level he was when he was a senior. You, you know, it, it's just 
it's just not going to happen at this level uh, with college guys. So getting back to everything, um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, recruiting right now, I'd be lying if I told you that offensive skill position recruiting is not uh, a concern uh, because of the struggles of the offense. So no candy coating there. Uh, I will say recruits uh, look less at X's and O's. I mean, I'm sorry, at wins and losses than maybe X's and O's and use and stats and stuff like that. Uh, I think fans sit there and go, oh, we lost this game. Recruiting is going to be bad and all that. No, nah, it's, it, it's more of a, more of the way the offense is played, you know, this year and struggled uh, and the scheme and all that good stuff, you know, that, that's gotten some guys – you know, or, or, or has, has caused some less than positive feedback on the recruiting trail. And I think it also kind of impacts 2023 a lot more than maybe 2022, where the, the class is, you know, 70% of the way done, uh, you know, with that. Uh, so I would encourage everybody not to, you know, to, to not to compartmentalize recruiting, uh, understand that, you know, things going this bad on offense is going to hurt them with some guys, some guys, not everybody. Um, and that recruits aren't hanging on every win and loss like a fan. Like recruits don't sit there and go, oh, man, Gamecocks got beat bad by a and I don't think I'm going to go there. Uh, you know, that, that's just kind of not that, – that's not what they look for. Now, winning uh, impacts comfort level. And comfort level is what every decision is based on. So you do have to be comfortable. And uh, there's a lot that I think with recruiting right now that players could feel uncomfortable about around Carolina. Um, but they are out on the road this week. They are recruiting. I, I think I think it's one thing these guys really do exceptionally well is explaining things and all that good stuff. Um, you, you know, so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. I, I was glad to see them get out. Uh, Beamer and Satterfield went to – uh, some underclassmen within the state, Jaden Davis, number one player in the 2024 class per 24-7 sports. And I say that with the caveat of saying I don't know why we rank 2024 kids right now. Uh, there's nothing that says he's going to end up being the number one player in the whole co- entire country by the time that. I mean, he could be a three-star guy when all is said and done. Jaden Bradford at Chapin, who I really like too. He's a top 100 guy. Who knows if he'll stay there. He's another quarterback in state. They've offered, um, you know, and I like their chances with Bradford. I think I think Bradford's uh, a pretty good player, you know, and I, and I like Davis too. And if I had to compare the two right now, I'd go with Davis. But you don't know what's going to happen. Xavier McLeod got a visit. He's a defensive uh, tackle, and then Satterfield's going up to see Braden Davis, the quarterback commit from uh, from this class, who I think's you know got a lot of upside. Pretty good. Another guy. Uh, that they're looking, they're, they're still trying to look at and, and, and convinced to maybe take a visit. Jalen Sneed from Hilton Head, who's committed to Notre Dame. Now, do I think they have a good shot to flip him? No. Uh, if he weren't playing for the high school coach he was playing for, maybe. Um, you know, Notre Dame obviously is a great program, a great place to be. Uh, so we'll see. But Clayton White, who's been, you know, continued continue to recruit. Jalen Steen, he's going to be at his game Friday night, uh, so we'll see what happens. Mike Peterson's going on the road to see Jay Sean Barham, 
Uh, Beamer will be with him on that road, on that trip. Beamer will also be at Hilton Head uh, for the game Friday night for Jalen Sneed, so that's a good thing. Montario Hardesty is going to go by see and see Ramon Brown. We know Virginia Tech. There's a lot of talk about Fuente on the hot seat. Ramon Brown, four-star guy at running back. They looked at he committed to Tech. You know, so we'll see what happens with that. So they're getting out there, you know, and I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the linebacker position uh, here in a minute. But first, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. I mentioned Braden Davis as a player I like in the class with upside. You know, some people are under the impression he's like super duper raw. I'm not really on the super duper raw end of things with him. I think he's actually gotten a lot more consistent as he's gotten older. Um, I think he's a good kid that picks things up, you know, as far as, you know, his football IQ, which obviously if you're going to, you know, I keep saying this, if you're going to play in this game, you, you, you need to be like a an Einstein, I think, in terms of playing quarterback. And Davis is a smart kid. Um, I like him. You know, Anthony Rose uh, had a nice – Game down in Miami, our guy Andrew Irvins for 24-7 Sports talked about him from Miami Central. He's having a good year. He's 6'4", 190. Defensive back, he can play corner, he can play safety, he can play nickel. He's a Miami guy, you know, and he plays like it. That's awesome. Uh, defensive tackle Felix Hickson out of Georgia is a player I love. You know, thought, wow, he's a big athletic uh, DT type. And um, Jimmy Lindsey's going to his game uh, down in uh, – Forsyth, Georgia, at Mary Persons High School on uh, Friday night. So, on tonight, actually. Uh, so, there we go. There we go. Uh, with that. Now, linebacker position I talked about, and, and I mentioned this earlier this week, that, you know, Mo Caba, Debo Williams, you know, those guys, Daryl Ware even, throw his, throw his name in the mix. Those guys are faster and quicker than Brad Johnson, Damani Staley. It's just a fact. It's nothing against Brad Johnson, Damani Staley. Um, Carolina's playing a team in Florida with a lot of speed next uh, Saturday. So I, you know, I would hope and also anticipate maybe these guys playing a little bit more. Now, look, I'll be honest. At linebacker, if you're making mistakes, you're going to look slow. You're going to look bad, false steps, all that kind of thing. Uh, and that's the – we talk about Carolina's run defense this year. The linebackers have been a lot more of an issue – uh, then maybe the D-line, D because everybody just assumes the D-line is going to be this wall. And, you know, sometimes it's the linebackers. And, and last year, a lot of the run defense's issues were linebackers, from what I was told. So, you know, better linebacker play, better athletes at linebacker, that may help uh, the situation. Not saying they need to start or anything, but if I were Clayton White, I would play them a little more. And, and then you kind of look at the future with Williams and Kaba, where now they've got a nice – Group now they need more. They need more linebackers. Don't get me wrong; that that position is a little light. Uh, but you look moving forward, and I think the Game Packs have a nice group uh, that they can kind of build on moving forward. But anyway, coaches are out on the road this weekend uh, or this Friday during the open date. Uh, so you know we'll see kind of what happens w- with all of that and uh, what transpires. We will get into. I mean, look, it's almost November, folks. Uh, next episode we have will be in the month of November. And, you know, looking at it, uh, 
you have that, and all of a sudden Clemson games here, and all of a sudden maybe maybe there's a bowl, maybe there's not, uh, and then recruiting picks up, and off season coaching changes and stuff like that. The season just goes so fast when it gets here, and it, it, it's it hasn't felt long, you know, as far as uh, the season goes. Although it probably should, <laughs> watching the offense uh, and watching some of the team's performances, but. Uh, you know, hadn't felt long. It's gone by pretty quick. Uh, I don't like the open date on Halloween. I'd rather the Gamecocks be playing Tennessee, uh, because that game normally is on Halloween. So I don't like that. I, I don't, I don't like the open date on Halloween. I, I actually like it a little bit earlier, you know what I'm saying? Uh, than what it was or what it is this year. I don't know. I don't know the schedule for next season what may be happening and uh, and all that. But, yeah, Tennessee's bye weeks this week, too. So, they could have easily flipped those, you know, and they'd have had a bye between Missouri and Mississippi and uh, play Carolina after Bama. But, uh, you know, I don't like it. You know, I'm used to Gamecock football normally against the Volunteers uh, on Halloween weekend. Um, wanted to – just kind of, you know, talk a little bit about this, and I'd like to get y'all's opinion on it. Uh, you can get in on the mailbag inside the game at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Again, that's the I Hope Consulting mailbag. But, you know, looking at the running backs, right, and you guys tell me if you think Kevin Harris, you know, take away the no-blocking thing, okay, because he, he, obviously he's not getting the blocking. Do you guys think Kevin Harris looks – like the player he was last year or even like in limited duty in 2019 uh, when he was able to kind of accelerate and get gone. I don't, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I, you know, he had the back surgery in the off season. Sometimes that's a tricky thing. I just, I, I don't know. I, and he's not getting anything going. And so, you know, my opinion of it is, Thanks for leading the SEC in rushing last year, but uh, there's other guys that need to play. And and I think, you know, Marshawn Lloyd, first touchdown uh, against Texas A&M, great. So happy for Marshawn, great kid, all that good stuff. Uh, he's, you know, he hadn't had any room at all. Teams blow him up in the backfield from time to time. Uh, but the first touchdown, I think, was, was good. Now, he leads, and in, in, as far as the running backs go, he's got twice as many lost yards as the others. Uh, but hopefully, you know, he, he's a guy that's kind of turning the corner. I liked how he darted his way up in there for the touchdown late. But Zaquandre White, 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 right, you know, he has – Kevin Harris has 70 carries, Lloyd 49, McDowell 43, White 42. And White's, at, White's the leading rusher on the team with 291 yards, and he's averaged 6.9 yards per carry. Now – some of that is in mop-up duty, you know. Let's be honest. Some of that, a lot of the 128 yards of that came uh, against Eastern Illinois, and 60-something of that came on one touchdown. But, you know, watching him kind of get to the perimeter with as, as elusive as he is, the way he can catch the ball out of the backfield, I think switching over to Jason Brown at quarterback, which is, you know, I'd be shocked if that didn't happen against Florida – 
White's kind of a guy that, you know, I think they can get the ball to a little bit more. And, and look, he's productive. I mean, that, that that's the bottom line here is that, like, you know, even with the blocking issues, you know, White normally has, has a chance to get some yards. Um, you know, when he's one of the best players on the team uh, and also has 10 receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown, like I said, catch the ball too. You know, so I, I don't know. If I'm going to go with a player, you know, to get the ball more, I'm going to try to see what I could do when, when I get it to Zaquandre White uh, as opposed to Kevin Harris. I, I think White, Lloyd, McDowell need to take those carries because, I mean, you, Kevin Harris almost has, you know, he's 21 more carries than the the next guy, which is Lloyd, um, in seven games. He's played one game less than the other. So, you know, uh, I think that would be another suggestion I would make on the offense. Uh, hopefully, Marcus Satterfield doesn't talk about Zaquandre White uh, next Wednesday during his media availability because every time he mentions a guy that weekend, that guy does nothing. Now, I will say this about Jaheim Bell last week after I went back and watched it again and sort of was asking some questions of some other folks that have watched the tape from the Texas A&M game. Um a&M did a really good job of taking him away. Now, what that is is, a, you know, when, when your guy is getting taken away, you're trying to get the ball to, you know, and then you struggle. That That's a function of we don't have many more playmakers or it's a function of, uh-oh, they took away the number one option there. What do you do? Um, so there's a lot of issues that go into that. But uh, I'm going to back off sort of my – specific criticism of the offensive game plan last week about Bell, just because I looked at it and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. They're, they were, they were prepared for him, which I think is a tribute to Jaheim Bell. Um, but also you've got to find a way to work around that. And if somebody's being bracketed or doubled, there's usually somebody open. If you have time, if you have time, it's been crazy about that. So I wanted to mention Zaquandre White and all that good stuff. Um, you know, open date with uh, a lot of other games this weekend, Florida, Georgia. Gators are coming in to Columbia that next week. And uh, I think a lot of people are thinking they're going to get tattooed and come in kind of limping. And that could happen, you know. Uh, I still think Florida's got a tremendous, like, you know, you can just say you can say talent advantage for sure because I think talent-wise, Florida's got a better roster. But what they're really, really – Good at compared to Carolina is uh, speed. They 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 they're always one of the fastest teams uh, in the SEC and on the schedule every year. So they got a lot of speed on that team, regardless of how they're playing. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to find out, you know, how that matches up. It's another reason I'm sitting there, kind of beating the drum for Debo Williams, Mo Kaba, maybe Daryl Ware to get a little more. Um, more reps on defense because you can just see it now Mullins offense with the quarterback keeps and the speed sweeps and attacking the perimeter and all that, you know, you're going to need some, you need some things to happen. So uh, that's the deal there uh, with all of that. Once again, seven thirty kickoff next Saturday night at Williams Bryce stadium uh, Gamecocks and Gators as the Gamecocks try to finish good this year, you know, first year under Shane Beamer hasn't been uh, hasn't been good, especially on offense. And, you know, there's been some real ugly games, um, but you just got to keep at it, I think. 
if you're him and make the changes you need to make. I mean, I think one change is obvious. I think you can make a case for two or three more. Um, you know, I, I think it's important, too, uh, when you look at it, because of the new world we're in with the transfer portal and everything else, uh, I think it's very important to kind of examine how your current players feel, you know, and are they going to – or some of them, the better ones, going to go to greener pastures. Uh, there are problems, you know, beyond uh, the offensive coordinator is bad. I mean, look, I, I got this from a pretty good uh, few sources. <laughs> and when I say few, I mean more than three, four, five. Uh, there's concern about attendance at South Carolina right now. Uh, so people in some very high places are shocked that it's been as bad as it has been for Troy and Vanderbilt. And that's, you know, the tickets are sold or whatever, but, uh, you know, you lose money on concessions and a lot of things. I know concessions is kind of a bad word when you're talking about Williams price right now. Um, and we've, we've gone all over the, over the reasons and, you know, I haven't said that it's all on the performance of the team, but I also understand that you can only take so much as a fan through, however many years, regardless of, of getting a new coach, you know, I mean, regardless of that. And it's, uh, it's the, it, it, it's tough to watch when your team's not scoring and it's tough to watch when, you know, you see guys that could be making plays that, you know, aren't for whatever reason. And, and you watch players individually, you know, that have had success in the past, not have success, like on the offensive line. Uh, I know that's tough to watch and, for opponents like Troy and Bandy, you know, nobody, you know, that, that may not get anybody out of the house. You can always watch those games on TV, right? Um, so, you know, that's a concern right now. I think, you know, like I told you earlier on the recruiting trail, offensive skill talent, trying to sell them on the scheme and what they're doing right now is a concern. You know, I think transfer portal outgoing uh, depending on morale is going to be a concern. So there's a lot to get done uh, if you're Shane Beamer and a lot to kind of consider in these next four games as to, as to you know, do, do you want to do what it takes offensively, in my opinion, uh, to try to be more competitive, which is scale it back, let Jason Brown do his thing, try to get your, your the ball to your playmakers. I mean, do you want to do that or are you going to be – hey, this is just what it is, and we're going to go try to run all of this with Jason Brown, who, you know, hasn't been all that successful doing it in practice in terms of running the actual offense. It's kind of funny, though, because, you know, like I said today, who cares? Uh, Luke Doty did not look comfortable running this scheme. Uh, Zeb Nolan, who's a grown man, who's a graduate assistant, who put the playbook together, he doesn't look comfortable running it. A lot of that's blocking, and, and, and the protection's broken down. But you know, why is the why is why are the offensive linemen confused? You know, it, it, all roads lead back to basically one thing, um, and so that's why Brown hasn't been starting because Brown hasn't been able to go out and and, and run things in practice. Well, <laughs> you know, and he keeps getting called a gamer by the coaching staff, and I'm like, well, they're having trouble every week. We hear about what a great week of practice they had, so. They are having troubles in the game, so time to let the gamer go do his thing. Um, 
And I think there's a small window of opportunity there. He gives him a spark. And, and you look at his skill set. You know, he's a guy that can move around. I, I like that he can avoid pressure, keep his eyes downfield. He doesn't just take off and go. Uh, and, and make plays on scramble plays like he did on the touchdown uh, that he threw at A&M to, to Trey Kenyon. Um, I, I think that that's the kind of guy maybe they need uh, because there's a lot of breakdowns, right? So when things break down, you go scramble, play whatever, great. <laughs> you know, that you have more of a chance than you do with Nolan, who's a sitting duck, or with Doty, uh, who quite frankly takes off and goes not for very many yards sometimes. Um, and, you know, Brown looked a lot smoother throwing on the run and all that than Doty did and all that. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, if Doty was healthy, Brown should still be starting. You know, I, I don't think that's what that means. I, I could make a pretty good case for him over Nolan um, once Doty got hurt again. But then again, you look at it, and Zeb came off the bench against Vandy, led you to the win. Wouldn't you – Think he deserved to get the start the next game? Probably so. But now it's time to move on to Jason Brown. So that's uh, there's a small window of opportunity there. Now look, if, if Jason Brown can rally the troops, they can win two, lose two, do whatever. Uh, these next four get to a bowl. He performs well. You know he's got another year, and it'll be interesting to see what would he take off. I don't think he would take off for the pros unless he just kills it, right? And so you've got a guy coming back next season that can compete, that's had, that's had successful starting experience. You know, Zeb Nolan is not coming back next year regardless. Luke Doty hasn't had what I would call successful starting experience. Um, you know, they, he did beat Troy, uh, and then they won the Vanderbilt game that he started, but obviously he didn't finish it. But uh, it, it wouldn't be a terrible thing. Like I mentioned earlier, we were talking about portal quarterbacks for Luke Doty to, to develop for a year. Um, you know, and, and a lot just depends on what what exactly the direction the offense is going to be and all that. But I I like Jason Brown. I like the fact that he's worked really hard. Uh, I know he has a fan club out there on the internet that's wanted him to start from day one. And I'm sorry, that's not this is not validation of that. Uh, he's had to work to get in the position he's in, especially since the spring. Um, but I think it's time. I, I think it's time. And, it, and it's not necessarily based on, you know, you know, the eight completions against Texas A&M and base defense in College Station last week. It's more like, okay, this guy can move. He's not, he's not hobbled like Doty, and he's not a statue like Zeb, and Zeb's just got meniscus surgery. Uh, so, so, so that, that may be what you need right now. Cause you can't pretend you can't run the ball. You know, a guy like this can maybe help open some of those things up. So you have to be excited about that. And I didn't even mention his chemistry with EJ Jenkins. Uh, by the way, I've been harping on Jenkins and van playing the same spot for a while now. My understanding is that's being addressed. Um, and that EJ Jenkins is going to be and, and Josh van or not that they're going to be able to be on the field at the same time, thankfully. So I think that's, that's a very positive thing. So, you know, we'll see what happens uh, against Florida. All right, so we got a few questions here, the iHelp Consulting in uh, Mailbag. And I wanted to say, again, if he – and look, I, I haven't talked to Daniel, but uh, I bet he's uh hasn't gotten the first three business owners. It'll give you a free consultation uh, if you tell him you heard it from me. 
So there you go. I help consulting, free consultation. Going to put his money where his mouth is. First three business owners that call or text, say you heard about it on Inside the Gamecocks. Uh, it's going to be free. So that's going to be awesome. And I help consulting, of course, is uh, the consulting firm that can save your business money across the board. Credit card processing, insurance, telecom, all that without sacrificing quality. It's very simple how it works. Daniel's at 843-372-5713, 843-372-5713. Put that in your phone, text him, call him, set up a quick phone call or face-to-face meeting. It's going to look at your whole operation, see where there may be savings. Uh, and again, first three business owners that give him a shot, a shout uh, or a text, free. So, And uh, even if you get down the road and you want to use them again, you know, you may be thinking, ah, he's going to save me three grand, but charge me four or five. No, that's not how they work. They only get a percentage of your first year's savings. So it's not like some high-priced consulting firms that are like, ah, you know, you're going to pay me $20,000 and I'm going to rearrange some things and, you know, you're going to, you're going to save about $250 a year. <laughs> that would be ludicrous, but that's not, uh, that's not how I help works. I help consulting how can I help you? Again, take advantage of the free offer, 843-372-5713. There's two ways to get into the iHelp Consulting mailbag. First is to tweet to at the Big Spur Pod, and uh, we appreciate you following that account and certainly um, uh, appreciate that because it's growing and, and all that good stuff. So Big Gaming – or Jay Gibb Gaming says, after listening to Jay yesterday's podcast, can I make the vote for JC for OC? Yeah, because I, you know, I sat here and you know talked about everything. I, I, I could never do anything like that. I don't have, you know, number one, I, I don't have the training, uh, knowledge, experience uh, in the sport, and I know you're not being serious. I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna explain to you kind of why I would never be an OC. Uh, number two, you. I don't have great – all right, so like like some people are really good at geometry and they can kind of see in 3D when it comes to visualizing things, maybe putting something together at home. <laughs> uh, I struggle with that. I struggle with it straight. I'm more of a, a spoken word, written word, communicator kind of guy um, than a, I guess, someone that can dissect – and, and to me, being an offensive coordinator, a good play caller, uh, again, you can design all the plays you want. Maybe I could do that. Well, I, but calling it, you have to sort of think in that way. And I don't have that kind of brain. And, and some people that are even offensive coordinators don't. I don't know. Don't think, don't think that's a shot at Marcus Satterfield. But, um, you know, just, uh, you know just, just know that, like, some people don't have that kind of ability to dissect some people do steve spurrier very gifted at that and i think he developed it from being a quarterback his whole life and in college and then going to the pros and you know spending nine years as a backup down there on the field you don't play a whole lot but you see and you can visualize and things like that um so anyway if you're looking for like what kind of brain you need for an oc definitely not my brain it's definitely uh some other folks uh that that, that know how to you know, put together those shelves from uh, Ikea. I, I hate Ikea because 
I, it, it's stressful because you got to put it all together. You know, first you got to carry it out in this big, gigantic, heavy box full of like wood and screws and such. And, and it's heavy as crap. And then you got to load it into your car. And then you got to take it up the stairs and take it in the house, take it and put it. It's, it's insane. Women love it. Uh, every woman I've uh, ever dated, been married to, I was married once, loves Ikea, loves it, loves it. I think some people that like putting things together, handyman, they like it too. Not me. Stresses me out. Don't even like the meatballs. Anyway, so that's just my Ikea story. Uh, but thanks. Thanks, Jay Gibb. Appreciate that. And keep uh, keep on keeping on, man, with uh, with the tweets. I appreciate it. Uh, again, at the Big Spur Pod, if you're trying to get there. Andrew says, can you please discuss Nola's post regarding lack of talent? No disrespect to him, but that's bonkers. Um, all right. So some of my podcast audience are a lot of they're not going to understand what that means. So, so we have a we have a, a poster, and sometimes you know posters on message boards have sources and contacts and stuff. And Nola Cock is one of those, and he he made a post the other night that uh, talked about it, it kind of spun everything in a positive way towards Satterfield uh, and blamed the players for everything and talent for everything and all that. Uh, I can tell you two things about it, and I don't know who he talked to. Um, and I don't want to know because that's, those are his relationships he has, uh, with people or whatever. I know this, I know that what he posted was not, is not the opinion of the majority of the coaching staff, uh, nor some of the analysts, nor some of the off the field people, nor anybody I talked to. Okay. Anybody, um, over there. And, uh, I think that's, that's one thing you got to keep in mind is that whoever he talked to has a very narrow minority opinion. And then number two, you know, again, and I don't know who, you know, because of this, it kind of makes me question like who exactly was there uh, on, on the day he, he met with these people and took the notes or whatever. Uh, there were staff meetings all day long and, and nobody that was that significant including analysts, assistant coach, et cetera, uh, left the building all day. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know, you know, maybe that was just somebody on the periphery's opinion, you know, and all that, because it certainly doesn't align with, you know, the on the record stuff that was in the post. Now he had some off the record stuff too, that he got that sort of backs up what I've been saying, but the on the record stuff you saw in the post, uh, I would really just take that as, Maybe somebody out there having a, a trying to have a rosy opinion of things, uh, and, and don't 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 use that as like something to build your case against the staff, Mark Satterfield, Shane Beamer, whoever you want to criticize, uh, because it, it's not necessary that 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 information was not necessarily mainstream as it relates to inside the Carolina football program. I hope that makes sense. Hope that makes sense. In fact, it sounded like something. Uh, Marcus Satterfield would say, <laughs> you know, and, and Satterfield was in the building having, you know, meetings all day. So I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't him. So uh, that's, that's, it, it, I know it kind of came across the wrong way. And again, let me clarify about talent here. Cause people say talent, you're like, Oh my God, you know, uh, Alabama or whoever, 
let me say, talent. This team, this offense is not, you know, crazy talented. This team on offense is more talented than what it's played by a good margin, a good margin. I mean, you know, I, I don't think anybody expected Carolina to go up and down the field all year against everybody. I do think people expected a competent offense, especially based on what they had returning. Uh, and if you think about it, the big worry heading into this year was wide receivers. And I think Justin Stepp's done a good job there. Eric Kimry with the tight ends done a good job. They've got more options there than they did last year. But, you know, like I said, if, if one of those options gets taken away, then – you know, you got to have a plan B sometimes, and I don't, I don't see that a lot. Um, so, anyway, I wanted to address that, and, you know, I, I can't go back and read all of Nola's post. Uh, for those of you that don't get on the Big Spur, uh, I would encourage you to go join, uh, but I'm not trying to sell you something because I'm going to tell you. What it basically did was break down play-by-play, play. like this play here can't be blamed on the OC because of this, and this can't be blamed here because of that, et cetera, et cetera. And and I can tell you right now, talking to you know other people on the inside, that you know that's kind of the opinion of the OC right now, which is mind blowing. But uh, certainly, I understand. You know, you always defend the job you do. I do that too. Um, but I just, <laughs> you know, I, I, again, I would just take all that and not. You know, it's okay to listen to that, read it, react to it, comment on it, whatever, but do not take that as gospel. Do not take that as gospel. Do not take it as gospel or as something that's uh, reflective of how Shane Beamer and the whole staff feels because it's definitely not. I don't know how Shane Beamer feels about it uh, off the record because I haven't spoken to him about that. Um off the record, I know what he said on the record, and that's fine. But you know, so so maybe maybe that's his opinion too. But uh, you know, I'm, I don't think that's a a very mainstream take when it comes to the Gamecocks. Uh, thanks, Andrew, and thanks for actually you know if you if you read the post, you're on the Big Spur. Thank you for joining the Big Spur. Gamecock Pastor says, pray and play. Jason, what do you think about starting Colton Gauthier the rest of the year? Does that communicate the coaches have given up on the season? Is it more beneficial to develop next year's backup than to play two guys in Norland and Brown who are done after this year? Uh, it's four and four right now. You, you still have a chance to win nine games, man. You know, now I'll agree the chances of that – don't look likely, you know, as far as what the offense is doing now. But I, I think you got to try and win as many games as you can at all times. Uh, I understand going with Luke last year down the stretch. The season was over. Um, Luke's a young quarterback. He gave him a spark against Missouri. Get him some reps. Colin Hill was out of there anyway, uh, you know, as a senior. Um, Jason Brown does have another year, though. Um, so Zeb's Zeb's done, but Jason has another year. So I don't uh, I don't see going to Colton uh, with Jason available. I, I just don't. I, I think Colton's got a good future ahead of him. I just don't think he's ready. Um, but he could be ready as soon as next year. I mean, the, the kid's six three. He's two fifteen. He can. He's got better wheels than you think. He's got a really good arm. Uh, I just think with the issues you have on the offensive line and the pressure coming. 
that's a disaster waiting to happen. Um, I think Jason's a little bit more suited to spin out of pressure, keep his eye downfield, that kind of thing. So it, it's just one of those things. Um, so no, and and I don't I don't always I, I'm not a big fan of just play the young guys for the rest of the year. If, if they were sitting at two and six right now, like let's say Vandy at East Carolina had beaten them. And you're looking at, you know, Troy and, and EIU as the two wins and, you know, people are struggling. I mean, I, you know, they had a bunch of injuries or whatever. Then maybe I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe play the young guy. But uh, there's still stuff to play for, you know, still stuff to play for out there. Um, and so I think you, you need to put the the guy that gives you the best shot to go out and, and win. And I'm kicking myself because I probably should have said, hey, it's probably not a good idea to start Zeb Nolan, even if uh, even if he led you to the win against Vandy, um, because yes, the the O line kept the pocket clean and he was able to throw it and and, and have success. But the chances of that happening against A M were slim to none, and I should have mentioned that, and I should have said, you know, I, and to my credit, I did say got to protect him. But what were the chances that they were really going to? You know, I'd have probably played Jason Brown earlier. Um, and again, is he Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson or even Connor Shaw or Luke Doty when he's healthy speed wise? No, but he's got good enough feet and pocket awareness to spin out of trouble, get out of trouble, get on the run, get get yards rushing or throw it. Um, his skill set, it's about his skill set. And, and I, quite frankly, once you got to about, oh, shoot, the Tennessee game, Troy game, the Troy game. Once you got to the Troy game and, and you sort of realized, hey, this offense can't score on anybody and this offensive line can't block anybody, you know, frankly, the decision probably should have been made to go with uh, to go with Brown then uh, knowing that Doty's foot wasn't 100%. You know, frankly, you know, that probably should have been what happened. But it didn't. So away you go. Uh, but thanks, Thanks, Gamecock Pastor. I really appreciate you. A. Riddle says, hi, JC. Thanks for all you do. Love the podcast and the way you break things down. Have you seen any film on Harrison Bailey, the Vol quarterback? Would like to hear what he could bring to the table. Should we go that path? Yeah, I, again, I'd encourage everybody not to get too excited. You saw the Gamecock's name on the list. First and foremost, he wasn't really interested in South Carolina coming out. You know, maybe it would be now if he realizes they need a quarterback. I could use a quarterback. But before anybody can kind of – and look, on film, Harrison Bailey was really good coming out. They they thought he was going to be like the next great one at Tennessee. Uh, and he started some and played some. And, and he's a good quarterback, I think, even though he's the third teamer. Um, you know, depending on what kind of offense Carolina is running next year, I could, I could see it and I could see him having success. I also – you know, would caution everybody who's third string for a reason. Um, would caution everybody into anointing this guy if they end up getting him. But, uh, you know, right now I would steer clear of all of that simply because, you know, the Spencer Rattlers and Harrison Bailey's of the world simply because you don't know what they're going to do, um, you know, with offense next year. So uh, that's a good question, though, Riddle, and I appreciate it. 
And we got one more before we go to the weekend. For my man Cartwright, he says, hey, JC, I'm going to the last couple of home games. My in-laws are joining my wife and I for the Auburn game. They're Auburn grads and have heard me talk about how awesome the game environment is in that stadium. Do you think we will be underwhelmed by fans or will they show up for that game? Uh, Auburn – now, Auburn's going to bring – Auburn will bring more fans over than, you know, Vandy brought down. Uh, they'll probably bring more than, more than Kentucky because Auburn's just right there on the other side of Atlanta. They tend to bring a good crowd. You know, I think it just kind of depends on what the Gamecocks do. I mean, look, split the next two, you know, which the likely scenario – the more likely scenario would be win at Missouri and – uh lose to Florida. Uh, and I think I think at that point you're playing Auburn for a bowl and Clemson for a bowl. And, yeah, I think, uh, you know, fans would be dumb not to show up for those. Uh, those are big games for the program. And, you know, I remember Muschamp getting, trying to get bowl eligible or essentially bowl eligible because they have Western Carolina the next week. You know, that Missouri game, that disappointed, his first year was very disappointing you know, crowd-wise. Um, and it was crazy because Carolina was coming off an upset win over Tennessee, and Jake Bentley was starting and undefeated. I mean, you know, so I I never understood that. Uh, but given everything this year and the challenges of crowds across the country, Cartwright, if they even could get a crowd like that in for Auburn, I think it would be a good atmosphere. Um so, yeah, and tell your in-laws, too, you know, it's it's probably not going to be as good as Jordan-Hare when it's packed. Jordan-Hare is very loud. I've been there many times. It's one of my favorite places to watch a game. So don't don't let them sit there and be, like, snooty about it, you know. There, we, we have a, you know, South Carolina, you have a uh, a mascot bird that comes out of, a, you know, magician's deal there and uh, they have the actual war eagle that flies in and stuff so you know we've all got our different birds and stuff during the pregame <laughs> so that'll be good but yeah it's always good to play always it's neat kind of neat carolina's playing auburn two years in a row at home i think it's also interesting that that game is a week before the uh shoot a week before the clemson game and a week before the iron bowl for them um, and if they keep winning, I mean, that, that could be an ultimate trap game uh, for, for Auburn, I think, and um, and all that, because they're going to get up there and, you know, you, you kind of look at it. They've lost two, I think, uh, to Penn State and to um, Penn State and Georgia. But look at their conference record. They've only lost one conference game. And that was to Georgia, beat Arkansas. You know you're gonna you're gonna know about them. You know because they've got Ole Miss, they've got at Texas A&M, they got Mississippi State at home. Uh, Ole Miss is this weekend, and then they go at Carolina, and then Bama comes to the Plains. Shoot, that could be one of those Iron Bowls where the SEC championship games on the line. One of those years, that'd be a heck of a first year for Brian Harson down there. Um, but, you know, they get through Ole Miss. They go win out at A&M, which the road team sometimes does win that 
game a little more often than they beat Mississippi State at home. You know, the Carolina game is, is sort of sandwiched in there before, you know, the whole state of Alabama goes nuts. Uh, and they got to come to Williams Bryce. So that that's a, that's that's setting up to possibly be a trap game for Auburn. You know, they got to win this weekend and kind of get in position to have a lot to have to have the big, you know, the big deal to play for, but uh you know, we'll see sort of what happens there. Uh but thanks Cartwright, I appreciate it and all that good stuff. Once again, this is the I Help Consulting mailbag and if you would like to you know, hit up Daniel here. Uh, it would be great. Uh, it would be super, and you would get a free deal. Okay. Um, and uh, that'd be awesome. So I, I think that uh, certainly, you know, getting him uh, some business would, is absolutely outstanding. So that would be uh, that'd be kind of things. iHelpConsulting.com, by the way, is their website. And I'm going to get you that number once again. 843-372-5713. iHelpConsulting.com. Please, please, please tell them JC sent you. Also, Cindy Searfoss sponsors our prediction segment every week. Realtor Colwell Banker Kane. 864-414-5271 up at Spartanburg. 35 years experience, folks. The real estate market's gone nuts. And you need a professional to help you if you're getting out there. And if you're in the upstate, it's probably even more nuts because that area, of course, is growing. My hometown right there, Daniel Morgan, Morgan Avenue in Spartanburg. Sydney Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Um, tell her JC sent you. I'm sure she'd love to help you out with all your real estate needs, buying, selling, whatever you want. That's Cindy Searfoss. Wanted to mention her yet again since we had no predictions segment this week. All right. Gamecocks return to action against the Gators. Probably no Monday show uh, just because there's nothing to review. Probably get back in the swing of things Tuesday. And then rock and roll. Um through the week about Florida, press conferences, all that good stuff. Predictions will be back. The big Gamecock preview show will be back. JB and Goldwater will be back. Hopefully the Braves will be World Series champions by then, or at least close. Go Braves uh, and all that good stuff. So um, don't lose faith, folks. Uh, I know this has been probably – and it's it's been interesting because I'm normally like in a terrible mood. Uh, and I'm not, not in a bad man. A bad week last week for a lot of reasons, but uh, not in a bad mood this week about the Gamecocks and the negativity uh, that the fan base has uh, right now. Fellowship of the miserable, and and I'm not normally like that. I'm usually like, man, these guys, they're really overreacting, uh, and I usually call it call you out on it to be honest. But I, I just, I just, I just think a lot of you have a point. Now, the people that want to fire Shane Beamer right now do not. That's extreme. And then you have the group that never wanted him to be hired to begin with, uh, and that's extreme. Um, We don't know. We're not going to know for a while. We may know sooner rather than later what kind of head coach Shane Beamer is going to be at South Carolina. I do think it's clear he made a mistake. And – you know, I don't think he's been perfect, and I understand some some people 
don't like the the way he handles the media or his players. Some people don't like what he does on the sidelines. All that's bull crap. I mean, all that is, you know, irrelevant pile of horse dung. Because if they were winning, you would not care one iota. You would not care. When you're losing, things get magnified. None of that has anything to do with winning and losing. I Quite frankly, you know, I think it's none of anybody's business if Shane Beamer throws it how he – chooses to address his players uh, when they don't play well. You know, I, I don't think it's any of your business. I don't care how much money you give to the school. I don't care how long you've been a fan. I don't, I don't care what your entitlement is. And I don't care who the head coach is. It's none of your business how he handles his players, whether he wants to be sunshine and rainbows to the media all the time and, and talk everybody up and be super positive and then handle it behind closed doors, or whether he wants to sit there and bash them and, and, and go off. And that includes his coaching staff too. It's none of your business. You know, what is your business is the product on the field, the health of the program, wins and losses, all that good stuff. Cause I'm not saying butt out of Gamecock football and that you you don't need to have an opinion. No, you actually, actually do need to have an opinion, and you all matter. You all matter very much. You know, people say family, fans shouldn't matter. No, no, fans, they matter. And, and you guys aren't blind, you know. I mean, this is this is a fan base that is not ridiculously, you know, uh, unknowledgeable. I mean, it's it's obvious, obvious. And, and I quite frankly think South Carolina fans have come a long way in that department about being knowledgeable about the game um, over the course of 20 years as I've grown up and things like that. Uh, so, you know, don't don't sit there and hide your opinions. I mean, but, but understand, you know, some of the things you're complaining about, um, it's a waste of your time. Because it it literally does not matter one bit, um, and it's none of your business. You know, as far as like what Shane Beamer wants to say, do to his player, it's none of your business. You know what what is your business is, you know, if this football team is being being coached well, and see that doesn't have anything to do with being coached well because there's all kinds of different ways when it comes to that. You can you can figure it out because there's great coaches that do it one way, great coaches, but there's no there's no set way, right? Um, but you know, there is a set way <laughs> that, uh, you know, you, th- there are certain parameters you need to do when you run an offense or defense or special teams, you know, there are certain players that you look at, they maybe need to get on the field a little more, that kind of thing. Um, so, so I would just encourage everybody to kind of remain focused on the major issues and don't get sidetracked and start just bashing and tearing down every single thing, because you keep doing that. People are going to give up, and it's a catch twenty-two. I mean, and there could be a scenario, folks, because I, you know, like I said, the, there are some powers that be at South Carolina right now, per four or five different contexts, that are highly concerned about attendance, and because th- this has never happened with this fan base before, the attendance thing. I continue to maintain that it's not all related to the product on the field, but it's it's to the point where. You know, the, this thing could get a whole lot worse, a whole lot worse, uh, and and things could really snowball. You know, to, to to people ask me all the time about what's the difference between the abyss and the wilderness when you talk about college football programs. 
something like that could send this program into the abyss for 10 years. Um, you're in the Southeastern Conference. They're about to add Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, it's the best college football conference in the land. Somebody's got to finish last. You know, you want to kind of spiral it out of control, you know. Uh, things don't get fixed. Fans stop showing up. Uh, you know, you're going to have to probably have a complete overhaul of everything. Um, and 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 what what's sad about that, folks? Because I know some of you are like, tear it all down and build it back up. You know, no, that's really that'd be dumb at this point. Um, you don't want that because starting in 2000, Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier, and then Will Muschamp his first three years, really had this program consistently better than it's ever been. You know, and I don't know nobody wants to hear about Muschamp's first three years, but they were at least minimum standard, you know, with this program. It wasn't four and eight, two and eight, four and eight, whatever. So in my opinion, uh, I think you need to keep your eyes on the prize <laughs> uh, and, and as far as getting it back to that minimum standard and Shane Beamer building from there. Now, does he need to make some change changes? Yes, absolutely. Really wish maybe it had already been done to be honest, from my standpoint, and I know yours. Uh, but again, that's one of those things that can work either way. That's not something that's a criticism. It's more like a preference. Um, but this thing could really snowball, you know, and, and that that's not me necessarily asking fans to show up for games at some, some false enthusiasm. That's me just telling you that right now, uh, based on performance on the field, based on – you know, things going on around the league, the SEC, things going on with the program, the new era we're in with NIL and Portal. And I, I still don't know that Carolina boosters and folks actually understand, you know, the NIL thing. And hopefully somebody in the athletic department's given advice or advising. I don't know. Um, the, this The wheels could come completely off. And it would be a shame considering the money that's been poured into this program, the support that it's had over the years. And, you know, while the success isn't like something you can go, wow, you know, they're just like Ohio State or Alabama or something like that. This program has had success. They've had, you know, th this program went to what, eight, you know, what was it, nine bowl games before 2000? It's been to 23, 24 now. 23, I think, is the number. Um, you know, this program never won the division. Never close. I mean, they've won, they've won the division. Uh, they never won 11 games. They won 11 games three times. I mean, those are very modest accomplishments. Uh, but they're also accomplishments that you can build on, you know. And, 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 and you know, that's the way it kind of happens in college football. You go – you know, step, 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 step. Now, it's hard for programs to take those steps. And you got to have some bumps in the road sometimes and things like that. But, man, oh, man, you know, I, I, I'll i be honest with you. I see a scenario where the the the, 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 the train could come completely off the tracks. Uh, and it won't necessarily be all on Shane Beamer or all on the fans or all on Ray Tanner or anybody. It'd be a collective running off the tracks, okay? Um 
and uh, and then I'll throw NIL in there and everything else. And th- that's a concern of mine. So I hope I didn't ruin your Halloween weekend with my last little monologue. Uh, but if you if you love South Carolina and you love the Gamecocks, um, you know, and, and maybe don't listen to this podcast over and over this weekend, maybe go have some drinks, put on a little monster mash, go trick-or-treating, grill out, do whatever you want to do. Um, but, um, you know, heed that concern because I, as one of you, as someone who makes a living covering this program, has followed this program my entire life, I have a very, very high level of concern right now, uh, more so than I ever have, more so than, than Muschamp, more so than, than 0-11 under Holtz, more so than – you know, some of Spurrier's earlier teams that weren't so good, especially 2008, that ending, you remember? I have more concern now than at any point since the end of Brad Scott, first of Lou Holtz. Um, and, and, and probably more so because, you know, even then, if you guys remember 1-21, Gamecocks didn't lose their fan base. And – all these things are coming together, uh, and, and again, not just the fan base. I'm not. I'm not blaming the fans or Beamer or Tanner or Pastides or the players. Or, you know, it's a collective effort here, folks. Um, I'm concerned. I am very, very, very concerned. Uh, and we'll see. You know, don't don't mean to leave it on a, a dark note there. Hopefully brighter days are ahead, but uh, I'll tell you just from my standpoint, I have not felt this way or thought this way or been this concerned in a long, long time. And there's been some rough years. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Chew on it. Um, again, the I Hope Consulting mailbag. Uh, I would love, you know, because you guys asked me questions on that. I would love to just read some of your thoughts. And again, you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. You can email me inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com and tell me what you think about the, the, the prognosis. What needs to happen? What needs to go different uh, besides wins and losses? Because as I said, you guys aren't a bunch of idiots. You know, you, you know what you see and you have your opinions. I may not agree with you, but I would love to hear from some of you uh, that ask me questions. Uh, I would love to hear some of your comments. You know, because we don't have a game to comment on this weekend. Game comments are kind of like, ah, I can't believe we lost, or ah, I can't believe we needed a last-second touchdown to beat Vandy. Um, I would love to hear your comments on the state of things. Maybe how would you fix it? Maybe what needs to happen to fix it? Is there something on the field? Would a win over Clemson do any good? I mean, that kind of thing. Because, uh, again, I'm very, very – I'm more concerned than I have been in – 20-something years about this, about the game, about the fighting Gamecocks of South Carolina. Folks, have a wonderful Halloween weekend. Appreciate each and every one of you tuning in. Uh, Like I said, I'll be back probably Tuesday-ish. We'll start breaking down the Gators and Gamecocks next Saturday. Uh, Until then, hope you guys have a good one. Don't eat too much candy. And like Mike Leach said, uh, throw that damn candy corn in the trash. J.C. Sherbert signing off. Inside the Game Cast Podcast.